Hey, hey, Lurid listeners, would you like a free audiobook? Follow us on Twitter at the KMQ, then tag us in a tweet. Tell us the title of your favorite KMQ story, and we'll send you the audiobook of your choice from our Audible library. But you better hurry. Some titles are going fast. You are entitled to your sexual self. We encourage Lurid listeners to be playful. Enjoy yourselves, your partners, and your sexuality. This show is for adults only and is a hands-free listening experience. This show contains erotic stories that sometimes feature provocative characters and intense themes and situations. Please listen responsibly. Welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. This is Rose Caraway, and joining me in studio is Big Daddy Dave Caraway. Hello. No handshaking, though. <laughs> Shall we elbow bump? Yeah. All right, we're still doing COVID-19, fate not themed, but <laughs> we're rolling with the quarantine is what yeah. we're doing. Um, and we have fallen behind on We episodes. failed. <laughs> oh my God, we failed. We didn't we fail. Tried. We just didn't meet our goal. <laughs> Which, it's mean. been, it, it's hard to find a routine. Just that yeah, in and of itself. It's been hard. It's like, I feel like I've been dropped on a map that has nothing indicated on it, and I don't know which way to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's kind of how this that is, is. That is pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You know, I'm finding my... I, I Like, I even thought, God, should I plot out, like, hourly what I should be doing all week long? Like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday should be something, and then Tuesday, Thursday should be... I don't know. I feel like I got to get rigid with my regiment. Yeah, I think we both could use a little bit of that. I be, I'm betting a lot of people are feeling that. Yeah. Things are coming back around, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm feeling the, like we're people are starting to go out, which, you know, Oops. mayor... <laughs> Let me turn my phone off. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened. Uh, although, during narrating, whenever I'm doing stories, sometimes I'll have <laughs> my phone on. Oops. <laughs> you could take that out, can't you, Big Daddy? Yeah. No, probably not. Not if we're laughing oh. and reacting to it. <laughs> just leave it in. Just let it go. We'll roll with that, too. This, it's the theme. That is the COVID-19 theme is we just roll with it. We're rolling. We're just rolling with it. I hope you guys are rolling, too. We do have lots more episodes, though. <laughs> Certainly have put on a few extra pounds in this COVID-19 oh, quarantine. Oh, you nice, so, baby. You looking we're nice. So, especially rolly is what I'm doing. I didn't roll down insane. the hill today. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you look amazing. I feel it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So we are releasing today part two of the Pariah series. Um, So I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I've been writing it. (laughs) You know, maybe we'll have a part four. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. Like, I am one of those writers that sometimes I don't know how it's going to end. So we've got an excellent episode for you. It's rather action packed. And it sounded like you had fun producing it putting in yeah. some really like I kind of laughed out loud whenever I was you know listening to what you did to it with music wise and that was fun okay, it cool. added to it for I'm sure glad so to hear that. that's good yeah let's do this all right well without further ado hey but maybe I should tell you about our latest audiobook first libidinous zombie an erotic horror collection. Indulge your darker cravings with an audiobook that is erotic 
Horrifying, cunning, edgy, seductive, violent, fiendish, and indecent. Oh, and it's super sexy. Libidinous Zombie, an erotic horror collection. Available at Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. Part 2, The Mad Doctor, written by Rose Carraway. Scene 1 Pariah awoke. The bedsheets were sweat-soaked, so she kicked them off. Outside, below the apartment window, People bar-hopped to the backdrop of jazz in the streets and twilight barbecue. Whatever town she was in, it was a lively one. She'd considered closing the window before falling asleep earlier, but found that she enjoyed listening to the sounds of merrymaking. It was Akagi and Casey who had awoken her. Her room shared a wall with Akagi's bedroom, and Pariah could hear everything they did. Tavares, Bennett, and Crow had left early that morning, and on this third day, the loneliness was sinking in. All Pariah could think about was what she wanted to say to Tavares, and to Bennett, if he ever sat still long enough to spare a few minutes with her. Thoughts played in Pariah's mind that were both wonderful and frightening, because whenever she thought about what was happening with Tavares, she couldn't help but think of Dr. Frank, too. The mad doctor injected her blood regularly, but with only minor effects. It only made him horny and increased his stamina. That was not the case with Tavares. Tavares's teeth had grown jagged, just like hers. He'd scented her cunt as soon as he'd come to, and when he'd bitten into her neck, Pariah had fallen in love with him. Receiving Tavares's come had been an extraordinary experience. Instead of the usual rejuvenating effects she got from any of her other lovers, she'd felt herself becoming better tuned in with her senses and her surroundings. It was all very vampirically cliché. And then there was the irrational jealousy she felt. Never had she coveted a man before. Tavares was busy hiding their tracks from Dr. Frank and the Hadler woman. Their first night downstairs in the restaurant portion of Akagi's family building, the team shared a meal of chow mein, and Crow had let it slip that Hadler and Tavares used to be together. Pariah immediately felt the urge to bite the eyes out of someone she didn't even know. The idea of her helicopter man being with another woman set her on edge. Pariah had excused herself early that night and had hardly seen Tavares since. 
She felt his presence when he returned from whatever it was that he, Bennett, and Crow were doing together. She sensed differences in him. It was as though he'd become an extension of her and her of him. It shook her to the core. For two nights, she'd fantasized about meeting whoever the Hadler woman was. And then there was Bennett. The big bearded man was uncomfortable in her presence, but there was no connection like she had with Tavares. Bennett hardly spoke two words to her. When he did, Pariah saw the fear in his eyes. She considered writing the team a letter and then running away. Casey and Akagi were trying to be quiet. Casey's heavy breathing came through the wall, crystal clear. Pariah recognized immediately that the man was receiving an exceptional blowjob. Pariah closed her eyes, slid her fingers downward, and scratched her short nails over her hairy lips. She masturbated slowly, listened to Akagi's wet performance. Pariah smiled. She grabbed her tit and let the erotic sounds play images in her mind. Goosebumps rose and made her shove her three middle fingers inside of herself, deep as they would go. Casey and Akagi were enjoying themselves too, but at a much quicker pace. Their urge to fuck made more urgent based on Akagi's exceptional fellatio skills. Pariah craved more intensely these last few days as well. Dr. Frank would be extremely interested in this new development. He'd want to see if it reflected in her blood. Pariah had never felt quite this potent. It worried her. Casey's low gasps suddenly halted and Akagi choked. Pariah could hear her gulping sounds. She pictured taking Tavares's cock into her mouth, swallowing his cum, and it ramped up her need. Their bed squeaked, and then the headboard suddenly banged against the adjoining wall. The blowjob was over. Akagi laughed, but it ended abruptly. Pariah could hear that it was because of Casey's eager kisses. The couple whispered between kisses, and it created a level of intimacy that stalled Pariah's hands. She sighed, gently got off the bed. In addition to a room, Akagi had also loaned Pariah an extra set of clothing, undergarments too. Crow hadn't been anywhere near as generous. He wanted her gone. Hadn't been in the same room with her since they'd gotten to their new restaurant-slash-apartment hideaway. Pariah put on Akagi's jeans and grabbed the t-shirt off the nightstand and put it on too. She put the boots on that Tavares had given her, ran her fingers through her hair, and decided that it would be better not to write a letter and just leave. The smell of pigeon shit and garbage permeated her nose when she crossed through an alley behind Akagi's family restaurant. When she came out on the other side, she let out her breath. The pedestrian traffic was coordinated chaos that stimulated Pariah in the most delightful of ways. She walked for a time down a street loaded with various vendors and novelty shops, just 
feeling the touch of so many people. Where she walked, the traffic slowed as people wondered why they were suddenly feeling the stirrings of lust within themselves. She came to another corner. A mom-and-pop Italian restaurant stood on her left. On her right, a Mexican food restaurant. Garlic bread and shellfish teased her nose, and Pariah decided to go left. A woman with a shiny, brunette, pixie-cut hairstyle stood next to the restaurant's outside dining entry gate. The woman held a gray, densely-furred kitten up to passers-by. Would you like to adopt this kitty? she asked. Pariah stopped, smiled. The back of her neck began to sweat as she smelled the woman's light, floral perfume. He's a total sweetie, see? And would you just look at his little green eyes? The woman cooed and thrust the stubby-nosed kitten at Pariah, and suddenly the fuzzy thing was in her hands. He's absolutely adorable, right? Um, yes, he's definitely cute, Pariah nodded, tucking her hair behind an ear. My name's Tammy. Tammy thrust a hand at Pariah. She quickly moved the kitten to one side, accepted the woman's handshake. It was strained. Typically, lust would spill itself into her bloodstream, and then she'd have to concentrate on holding back the tide. But with this woman, it was a different experience altogether. Pariah, she responded, smiling. Tammy smiled back quickly, but also seemed distracted. Pariah knew that her name was unusual. Then, abruptly, the woman leaned in and rubbed her freckled nose against the kitten's tiny cheek. Pariah's stomach fluttered and her armpits tingled, but lust remained dormant. It was an unexpected but pleasant experience. The kitten gnawed on her fingers, rolled in her hand playfully, and she was just about to comment on how she couldn't possibly adopt a kitten right now, but wished that she could when the scent of a familiar cologne distracted her. Pariah's skin prickled in alarm. She spun around, but before she could utter a word, Tammy took back the kitten, and Dr. Frank smothered her face with a wad of cloth. Pariah's throat burned, and then it felt like she was falling. Pariah felt the needle go into her left arm, but waited to open her eyes. She knew what Dr. Frank was doing and wanted to get a feel of her surroundings before letting him know that she was awake. The air was pleasant, redolent of livestock, manure, and weathered wood. Geese honked their arrival somewhere overhead. A cow mooed, and then Pariah caught the faint sounds of three other men's heartbeats. She knew what they were doing as well. One of the men she sensed was more nervous than the others. He chewed a piece of gum vigorously, and she thought she could even smell that the gum was the brand Juicy Fruit. Another cow mooed, further away than the first one. She didn't hear or get the sense of car traffic, just lots of wide open space, and then something minerally nearby, like a pond or lake. Pariah opened her eyes to see bright shafts of sunlight filtering in between the withered slats of a seemingly old barn. Pariah watched Dr. Frank insert a needle into his vein now while leaning his head back and closing his eyes. 
Without looking, he depressed the plunger until the syringe was empty of her blood, and Pariah felt the old hatred burn. Low in her belly, she turned her head away. Where are we? she asked. A tarp beneath her crinkled as she tried to sit up, but found that she couldn't. Rusted baling wire held her in place. It felt as though she was laying atop a bale of hay. A goddamn barn, Dr. Frank said, rolling his head around in a small circle, stretching his neck. Pariah looked at him and saw his dilated pupils. He packed his syringe back into its leather travel case and set it next to a handgun atop another bale of hay nearby. Not exactly clean as a clinic, but since you forced my hand, here we are. What happened to the woman with the kitten? Pariah asked, trying not to let the panic of being tied down overtake her. Dr. Frank responded by readjusting his blue exam gloves. Then he pointed towards her chest. I have a better question. What happened to your tits? What? she asked. The chloroform fog lifted rather quickly, and Pariah looked over at the gun again. Your tits, he shouted this time, making her jump. But then he seemed to lose his train of thought. Dr. Frank lifted his nose and sniffed the air. He stepped closer, leaned down, and then sniffed the scar between her tits. Oh, that, she said, testing the strength of her bindings again. She couldn't move her legs or arms. Your men did that, she said feeling the panic rise in her veins as Dr. Frank next sniffed at her pubic hair. They bombed Tavares's bunker, trying to flush me out. The name slipped before she could stop it, but Dr. Frank was too busy tracking something. Pariah thought of Tavares, wondered if Akagi or Crow would prevent him from coming after her. Dr. Frank retrieved a set of wire cutters from a tool rack above the barn owner's workbench. He cut the wires that held her legs in place, then shoved her knees back far enough to expose her seam. He sniffed her, top to bottom, loudly. At once, Pariah felt violated, but also incredibly heated. She thought he must be feeling the effects of whatever changes were happening to her through her blood. He suddenly bared his teeth like a dog, and she half expected that they would grow pointy as Tavares's had, but they didn't. Dr. Frank released her legs and sneered. For three years, the mad doctor had promised to cure her, fix whatever it was that was wrong with her. Since puberty, she'd suffered through lust and cravings that she knew were profoundly unnatural. Pariah left high school a year early, unable to be surrounded by so many bodies. Her biology was a mystery until she found the advertisement Dr. Frank had placed on Craigslist three years ago. His sex addiction clinic had seemed so legitimate. Pariah was wired to fuck, and Dr. Frank had quickly found his golden chalice. He'd kept her under lock and key, allayed her worries with promises of a cure. But he'd only exploited her for himself. She saw that now. He'd kept his injections of her blood secret, but he couldn't hide his addiction for it. When he got high on her supply, he introduced other men for her to fuck 
tested to see if her pleasure levels intensified his high. Pariah's cravings for fucking had been satisfied for a time. It had seemed harmless that no one other than himself had ever taken her blood. But now, as she lay strapped to a bale of hay, anger fused in her bones, gave rise to a new desire. She tightened her fists, flexed her arms beneath the wire bindings. Your cunt, Dr. Frank's voice dripped with jealousy. I can smell the man who fucked you in the ass, but especially the one who fucked you in the cunt. He's still in there, in my cunt. What? He's still inside you, Dr. Frank spat. Then he got up, fetched his shiny black medical bag. He retrieved a small vial of some liquid, and panic rushed her veins as she watched him load another syringe. What are you doing? I'm putting you back under, more properly this time. I must get him out of there, darling. Dr. Frank flicked the syringe. He flattened her arm painfully beneath the bailing wire and stuck the needle into her vein. Dr. Frank's phlebotomy skills were spot on. You can't do this! Stop it! Pariah kicked, remembering her legs had been freed but soon felt the dulling effects of the anesthesia. But it didn't last. She didn't succumb, which shocked the mad doctor and her. It felt terrible to realize just how bad it had gotten with Dr. Frank, but it felt good to know she'd had enough. While Dr. Frank reloaded his syringe from somewhere deep down, Pariah summoned a strength that enabled her to sit up. She screamed as the rusted bailing wire slowly stretched against her skin, cut into the flesh of her neck, shoulders, her tits, and abdomen. When the cables finally snapped with resounding whip-like echoes, her blood spilled freely over her nudity in a baptismal rush. Before her injuries had time to heal, she thrust her palms out, shoved a confused Dr. Frank through the side of a vacant horse stall. He landed with a loud, splintering crash. Pariah grabbed the handgun just as the three hired men who'd been standing guard outside rushed into the barn. Their faces each went slack when they saw her, nude and so devastatingly bloodied. You've had your last fix, Dr. Frank. Her right hand visibly trembled, so she held the gun with both hands and then lined up her target. Pariah pulled the trigger. Nothing happened, and just like that, Dr. Frank went from fearful to self-confident. He got to his feet, dusted his pressed shirt and slacks. The three gunmen stood, unsure of what to do. Dr. Frank peeled off his exam gloves, let them fall to the dirt floor. He checked himself over, and at the same time, they both realized that he'd suffered no injuries, not a single scratch. When he looked back at her, he smiled in new understanding. The hell you say, he growled, then stalked towards her. Pariah couldn't move. It felt as though her fingers were filled with lead as she tried desperately to figure out how to work the gun's safety. She thought she found it, clicked it, aimed the weapon once more, but the gun didn't fire. Why are you just standing there? 
Dr. Frank yelled at his men. They withdrew their weapons and advanced, attempting to encircle her. I want her alive, he clarified. And two of his men returned their guns to their holsters, but continued to move in. Desperately, Pariah hucked the gun at Dr. Frank, who threw his hands up defensively. She took several steps backward until she felt her heel land against something. Pariah did the only thing she could do. She turned, picked up the bale of hay, and heaved it with everything she had at the three men coming for her. Her aim was decent. The massive bundle collided with the man on the right, knocking him violently back onto the long, raised point of a forage harvester. In one last wet wheeze of breath, the man was dead. Stricken by what had just happened, the two other goons froze as they tried to process the lunacy of what had just happened to their friend. Pariah similarly stood in disbelief at what she'd done. There wasn't time to ponder, however, as Dr. Frank grabbed her, wrestled her to the ground. He punched her in the stomach, knocked the wind out of her. Crossways, over her body, he pinned her down. Pariah struggled for breath, tried to buck him off of her. But her blood-drenched skin made it impossibly slippery. In the end, he straddled her middle and pulled back his gun's slider. He pointed it at her temple, leaned in close enough that she could feel his hot, panting breath against her face. Pariah stilled. She coughed, and the darkness that threatened to overtake her loosened its grip. She lay still, breathing deeply, feeling drained. Dr. Frank's lips brushed her lips. Think you'll die if I put a bullet through your brain? He pressed the muzzle harder against the side of her head. I'm almost curious enough to find out, he said. I've killed three men in my life, Dr. Frank. Pariah raised her head, pressed her words to his dust-stained ear. You know what the difference is between them and you? I want you dead. Pariah sank her teeth into the side of his neck, and Dr. Frank's hot blood flowed down her throat onto her chest, soaked into the dirt below. She kicked Dr. Frank off of her and slowly stood up, feeling blood drunk. She staggered a few steps before one of the men by the harvester raised his weapon. The other gunman, chewing the juicy fruit, stood dumb as a post when she made eye contact with him and reflexively swallowed his gum. What the fuck are you? The man pointing the gun at her asked. His voice squeaked. I've been asking myself that same question for years. Pariah lunged, bodily wrapped herself around the man and drained him of his blood too. Juicy Fruit Man still hadn't moved. Pariah approached him, dripping red, feeling like a monster. Her hair was matted with blood and dirt, sticking to her shoulders, her arms. She licked her elongated teeth and slowly approached the terror-stricken man. Please, he whispered, I don't want to die. Pariah reached for the man's face painted his twitching cheek red with her fingers. Then run, she said.
Scene 3 Pariah stepped outside, didn't close the barn door behind her. The blood on her skin tightened under the sun's afternoon warmth. For a long while, she stood there under the sun, wishing she were anybody else. When no profound thoughts of encouragement rose to mind, she numbly put one foot in front of the other. Behind her, a field of cows watched. On her left, the sparkling edge of a small lake caught her eye, and she changed direction. The rough gravel underfoot went unnoticed. The barbed wire that grazed her thigh and opened a new wound that bled down her leg as she passed through the private gate went unnoticed as well. It was the distant thump-thump-thump of an approaching helicopter that halted her steps. Pariah looked over her shoulder. Before the helicopter could quite land, Tavares leaped from its belly, followed by Bennett, Crow, and Akagi. Casey remained in the pilot's chair. Sunshine flashed against his aviators. They were in full military garb, seemingly ready to fight to anyone's death. The sight of Bennett, Crow, and Akagi as they rushed in strategic formation into the barn brought a well of dread inside Pariah's chest. They weren't inside long, however. Tavares remained fixed to his spot. He sniffed the air. Pariah knew he smelled death inside the barn. She did, too, all over her body. Tavares had spotted her as soon as his boots had touched ground. Pariah somehow knew. Bennett, Crow, and then Akagi exited the barn, and then they followed their leader's gaze. What the fuck? Crow reacted by ratcheting some lever on the side of his weapon, but Tavares quickly placed his hand on its muzzle, pushed the barrel downward. Pariah, he called to her. The warmth of his voice, his unimaginably blue eyes, his presence, all tamed a dark, malignant thing that wanted to take root inside of her. Prepared to run again, Pariah saw the atrocity reflected in the team's eyes as they stared at her, mouths agape. Tavares turned to Bennett and handed over his weapons. He removed his tactical vest, his shoulder radio, and then squatted down and untied his boots, towed off his shoes. Tavares stood back up. He issued orders to Crow and Akagi, and then to Bennett. Then he removed his shirt, pants, and underclothes. Tavares stood, naked, and then he made his way towards her. helicopter man looked her over, touched her sticky, blood-stained shoulders, her arms, her waist. His jaw tightened as he pulled the plastered hair from her cheek and neck. Pariah breathed him in. With a tenderness that seemed surreal, Tavares wrapped her in his arms and pressed his lips to hers. Tears spilled down her cheeks without warning, and she wrapped her arms around him tight as she dared. Tavares picked her up, carried her into the lake until he was in up to his chest. The water felt cold against her buttocks, her back, her feet, and legs, while Tavares's embrace kept her warm and secure. He released his hold of her until she lay in the water, floated with the support of one of his hands. 
He slowly washed the blood from her skin with his other hand. Pariah closed her eyes, felt the chill water fill her ear canals, and listened to the muffled sounds of the geese flap their wings against the surface of the water. The helicopter's engine went from a high whine to a low mechanical release of breath. Inside the barn, she could vaguely hear Crow and Akagi move around, attending to whatever their leader had instructed. Bennett was somewhere inside the landowner's residence, presumably looking for an owner. Another heartbeat sounded, a little faster than all the others, and Pariah listened to it, found its rush and thump somehow relaxing. It didn't come from the direction of the home, but the helicopter... Just then, she didn't care to put any further effort into who the person might be. Tavares worked in silence, and Pariah felt her muscles eventually relax. He massaged the blood from her tangled hair, her scalp, then from her forehead and cheeks and chin and neck. His touch caressed, soothed, calmed. I'm here, he whispered, and kissed her. I found you. Pariah opened her eyes, looked up, felt some emotion sting her eyes. She pushed her feet downward, let all her breath out, and then let her body sink to the silty bottom of the lake, sliding her hands down to Varys's frame along the way. At the bottom, Pariah rested her cheek against his leg and closed her eyes. She let the cold depth wrap around her like a blanket, listened to the strength of her heartbeat, when she opened her eyes and saw Tavares's tanned legs, made yellowish-orange by the refracted sunlight, hope nestled its way warmly into her chest. Pariah ascended slowly toward her helicopter man's cock. He was hard, but his hands remained at his sides. She wrapped her fingers around his shaft and pressed her face against his lake-cool testicles. A thought occurred to her in her private world below as she gently stroked him, kissed him. She wondered if he had in some way marked her on the inside. What if he'd gotten her pregnant? But that was impossible. Dr. Frank had said she was sterile. Kissing her way upward toward the man she wanted, all thoughts of Dr. Frank and the possibility of being pregnant dissolved as Tavares kissed her. It was unlike any other sensation she'd ever felt before. Other men, including Bennett and Dr. Frank, paled in comparison. Tavares's desire freed her of worry and fear and disgust. Tavares lifted her, grabbed his cock, and sheathed himself inside of her. The water sloshed only a little as he then held still, wrapped her legs around his waist. He gave her a slow fuck that pushed and pulled her cunt and her mind, while his kisses along her nape fueled her desire. Tavares's hands wandered, gripped her flesh, and Pariah opened her mouth to his tongue, let her teeth cut his lips. His fangs lengthened soon after hers, and together they clashed and cut in a sensual exchange of blood and lust. Soon, the muscles in his back and shoulders tensed under her grip, and he fucked into her more roughly, more determined. 
Pariah's orgasm was just on the cusp of breaking, and she rode him, bit into his shoulder, felt his teeth sink into her neck as he fucked her to orgasm. Pariah screamed her release, and Tavares bellowed his. Huffing breaths led to more lingering kisses. And they started again, this time out of the water on the bank. Her back scraped against the cattail reeds and mud caked into her hair as Tavares fucked Pariah right down to the ground. Scene four. Heading back to the helicopter, they were both naked. Bennett, nervous, reached into the aircraft and was handed Tavares' clothes by a pale, slender hand. The same hand passed him a gray, oversized, crocheted sweater. Bennett raked his fingers through his bushy red beard, and then he decided to help whoever it was that had handed him the clothing out of the helicopter. Pariah's jaw dropped. I'm so, so, so sorry. Tammy, the girl with the pixie-cut hairstyle, rushed Pariah, wrapped the crocheted sweater around her shoulders. That guy, that asshole, told me you were his girlfriend and that he'd messed up with you and needed my help so that he could apologize to you. I swear I had no idea he was going to kidnap you. Oh my God, I'm just so, so, so sorry. After talking with you, I felt... Weird. Like, I'd known you forever. I don't know. It just felt like like we were sisters or something, which is ridiculous because, I mean, I don't have any sisters, so I would have no idea what that would possibly feel like. I mean, we only talked for like a minute, right? Tammy covered her mouth, then uncovered it and resumed her apology, shaking her head. I just can't believe I helped in a kidnapping. I mean, oh my God, that guy was a total creeper now that I think about it. Tammy wiped the tears from her eyes and opened her big purse. She reached inside. Here, I was trying to find a good home for this little guy. You have to take him, please. I want you to have him. Tammy pushed the kitten into Pariah's hands and then hugged her once again, nearly crushing the poor animal between them. She pulled away and placed her hands on Pariah's shoulders. She took a breath, then added, I swear to you, I had no idea... And the money he gave me, I used it all to buy food and a litter box, litter and a few kitty toys. It wasn't very much money, which was weird because he looked like the type of guy who would totally spend a fortune on the girl he supposedly loved. How did you find me? Pariah asked Tavares while juggling the kitten and hugging Tammy again. Akagi spoke up, eyeing Tavares. Her tone, less warm than Tammy's. He sniffed you out.
Scene 5 The helicopter lifted off as Tavares got strapped in. He helped Pariah with her headset and tested their radio connection. At the sound of his voice, she gave him a thumbs up. Then she adjusted the crocheted sweater in as modest a way as was possible. Tammy squeezed in next to her, holding the kitten until Pariah was situated. Then she handed the kitten over. Bennett hefted himself onto the bench next to Tammy and put a headset on her. Crow and Akagi got in after, situated themselves on the seat across from everyone else. They'd been in the air for only a few minutes before Pariah yawned. She rested her head against Tavares's shoulder. He played a finger over the kitten's ear, and when it clumsily pounced, everyone heard Tammy coo. Tammy tapped Pariah's shoulder. You thought of a name yet? She asked. Pariah sat up, watched the kitten attack the button of her sweater. How about Chopper? Crow smiled. Pariah looked up. She couldn't help but smile back, and then something felt off. Oh, that's a perfect name. I vote yes, Tammy said cheerily. Tavares adjusted slightly, looked out of his side of the helicopter, and then touched his mic. Hey, Casey, your bird is a little turned around. She's supposed to be headed home. Casey came online. His helicopter maintained its current course. No, sir, we're headed to Hadler. Those are my orders, sir. Akagi drew her weapon faster than Bennett and Tavares. Hands where I can see them, sir, she said. What the fuck, Akagi? Crow said, putting his hands up, too. Listeners, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. That was Pariah, Part 2, The Mad Doctor, written by me, Rose Carraway. You can follow me on Twitter. This is usually where I say, hey, follow the author who wrote this story, but I'm going to just say you can follow me on Twitter. But I would encourage you more so to follow the KMQ because there we are giving away free audiobooks. So follow the show on Twitter at the KMQ so that you guys don't miss out on the audiobook giveaways. You can follow me at Rose Caraway and follow Big Daddy at Big Daddy Dave. Subscribe to the Kiss Me Quicks newsletter and get our sexy episodes delivered right to your inbox. If you guys want more sexy stories and would like to support the show, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Don't forget to leave us a sexy review. Audio production by Big Daddy Dave Caraway. The KMQ would like to thank these wonderful musical artists. William Ross Chernoff, Kai Engel, Cloud Kicker, Nylor, and our feature credit song, Amber, by Drake Stafford. With an extra special double shout out to Kai Engel on this one, please check him out and all these other artists at the links available in our show notes. The Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by Libidinous Zombie. The Libidinous Zombie.
that lives inside all of us, both erotic and horrific, is only really addressed at the intersection of horror and eroticism. Remittance Girl, 2015 Stupid Fish